everyone. Welcome to the Unleashing Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and I've pulled together some of the greatest minds from around the globe to help inspire you to release your own brilliance into the world. Whether we are talking to entrepreneurs, business owners, or just some all-round awesome people, I can guarantee these conversations will help you start thinking about how you can create more impact in the work that you do. A mix of incredible interviews and my own personal musings, join me from wherever you are to begin the journey to unleashing your own brilliance into the world. I've been so excited to have this conversation with my very good friend, my client, equally a colleague, an advisor, somebody that I love chewing the fat with. Michelle Gregory, welcome to my podcast today. Thank you, Janine. It's great to be here. Actually, I've been looking forward to having this chat too. I think it's been a little while since we've had a chew the fat. It is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And knowing the conversations that we have, who knows where this will go. So just to give people a little bit of insight into you, Michelle, where did the life of Michelle begin? Where were you born? I was born in Mackay. I'm the first of five children. Yeah, from a family that's lived in Mackay since 1888. So So, very long roots up there. So you're a true Queenslander. Yes, I am a true Queenslander <laughs> on today of all days, yes. Yeah, and for any of our international listeners in Australia, every single year we have this rugby game, rugby league championship called the State of Origin, which essentially is New South Wales, where I live, versus Queensland, where Michelle lives, and there's three games and obviously the best of three holds the title and we had the game last night and Queensland smashed us not just in terms of the the score but equally in terms of some of the players right yes <laughs> it was oh. a big game yeah do, do you know I've been talking to my team about it not so much about football but something about developing teams and creating stories and getting teams to work together against the odds that's a brilliant case study but we might have to leave that one (laughs) to a different day when it's not such a hot topic yeah and I'm no expert in rugby league I'm just watching it go oh my god anyway (laughs) Michelle we've known each other for a, a number of years now in your current capacity of your business promotion products and you're at this stage where you're really getting curious about what next could be thinking about that childhood that you had and where you grew up how how do you think the community in which you grew up in has made you the person or contributed to the person that you've become? My memories of childhood are very good. My community remember as supportive. You know, my secondary schooling I remember as as really supportive, great friends. I was given the opportunity to do a lot of things and to, I suppose, explore who I was in a lot of things. For example, I debated at high school and I think debating gave me lots of, you know, stuff, things that I carry through now and learn from. I was allowed to participate in sport. I was allowed to try lots of things, which I think is a huge foundation for young people as as we move into adulthood. 
And so we can listen to your backstory and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm going to put it in the show notes because we've talked about the journey of you through your Mm -hmm. career. Now you run a business called Promotion Products with your amazing husband, Douglas. Yes. And you're also a mother and a gardener and a lover of life and full of wisdom. And, you know, when I said it in, as part of that intro, you're, you're at this stage right now. What's that next bit? Can you maybe just share a little bit more for our audience, you know, where you are at right now and what is going through your head at this stage of your career, your business life, your life? Mm. and where you're at in that thought process. Yeah, absolutely. Best way to describe it, because I'm a, I'm a woman, 49 years old, my eldest children are 20 and 18, the youngest is 15 and 12. I describe myself as a woman in transition. So that, that's not just about women's stuff. That's about, as a parent, getting ready to farewell some of them as they run out the door and you know without a backward backward glance and go off to take their place in the world also in terms of business it's about where are we at and how are we wanting to grow and evolve and what's the next stage within the business what's the next stage for me in my life and where that is i've had probably the last 6 months or so not really participating so much in, in the business as I had before and I was going off to do some gardening and I said to you, you know, I, I don't know the value really because I'm not working, I'm, I'm just going to be gardening and pottering around. Well, uh, since the 1st of July, we've done some strategy and planning days around the business and now I'm back in the business with a particular piece of work and focus that I'm dealing with around people and culture and engagement because that's what's important, I believe, is important to set us up through the next stage of our growth and development. In terms of that, I'm seeing that very much as a project that I will do that may involve transition to another person as I then transition again. So it's a real transition place for me right now is the best word to describe it. I love how you've wrapped it up in those three simple words of women in transition or a woman in transition, because I think, well, there's a whole, a whole heap of us that are that generation where, you know, we've had families, we've looked after kids, we've had careers, we've built businesses, we're still having careers, we're still having businesses, we're still raising children, but there's this moment in your life where it is changing and it's trying to determine both reflect on what you've learned and what your purpose now is mm-hmm. and equally owning the fact that you are still worthy you still have a contribution to make but it's it's what is that and i think you can either i remember someone saying to me when i turned 50 it was almost like oh my god what are you going to do now mm. oh it's almost like woe is me life life is falling apart And I actually, I started listening to it, which I think society makes you do, let's be fair. And as as you know me well, Michelle, I went, oh, bugger society, what's going on for me here? And I reflected and I went, oh, my God, if I look at what I've achieved in my 40s, far out, what am I going to achieve in my 50s? And so instead of like, woe is me transition, I'm actually quite excited. However, I'm definitely approaching the decade with a very different mindset and level of thoughtfulness and intention. Is that the same for you? 
Absolutely. It's a really interesting thing. We had a conversation, Douglas and I, once, you know, and people often talk about, you know, that conversation where you'll have, oh, you know, I'm another year older. If only I could be 28 again, you know, and usually it's a number in the 20s that people talk about going to. And and I had to say to him, I said, you know what? No, I don't think I want to be that again, because if I was that age again, there's so many things and so many experiences that I don't have. So as you were talking about, you know, approaching this decade for you, and as, and it's the same with me coming in, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, as I reflect on the last 10 years, what's that been like? But, oh, my gosh, how brilliant can the next phase, next short, even if it's only two or three years or whatever, mm-hmm. how can that be? Because I've got this wisdom on board yeah, and... Sure as hell, I know you being you and me being me, I am going to pick up and learn something else that I really don't even know what it is yet along the way that is going to blow my little brain and, you know, and I'll, I'll just get engaged and keep going on. Yeah. Oh, totally. This, it reminds me of a conversation we had where I was actually asking about, you know, your lessons, what you mm-hmm. thought were some of your key lessons of your career so far. Yeah. And it reminds me of this one where you said working for yourself is the most intense personal development program you will embark on. Can you tell me a bit more where that came from? Honestly, it's I even had an example in our business the last week where we talk to the team about a process or or something that we wanted to introduce. And later on, a team member came in and with beautiful honesty and, you know, and a really open desire to help. And she said, do you know what, do you know anything about this uh, training methodology called formats? And I was like, no, I don't know anything about that. And she says, well, she goes through and explains And she explains the advantages of using a training methodology and this type of methodology in terms of the engagement that you get from people and how you can develop your people and they'll buy in and they'll understand more and and because it's a structured process. And at the time, I was also sitting there thinking because our ego, we all have an ego (laughs) and I don't mean it in a nasty way. I just mean it's that our ego is that voice that sits in your head and is like, aren't I supposed to know this? Wasn't I? I thought I did a good job. Are you telling me I didn't do a good job? Don't I know this? Then you, you know, oh, could this be? Yes, this could be valuable. This could be. So it's the the constant reflection on things and the decisions that we make and the what we do that impact, you know, any decision in business, particularly if you employ people, can have an effect on their lives and their livelihood and the choices that they make. And so we're constantly looking back and thinking, was that right? Did I was the intention was my intention right? Did I communicate that well? Is there an outcome here that's now happened that I didn't factor in, didn't think about? You know, should I have seen that as a possibility? Would I do that again? It's that constant evaluation that causes you to, that you can't but grow. If you're thinking about and evaluating, you cannot but grow and learn about yourself. But what is the difference from your perspective, Michelle, between those that do? Oh, I thought I might have lost you there. You lost me. No, I'm back here. I'm here. I'm probably just reflecting as I'm talking. Yeah, from your perspective, (laughs) 
Because <laughs> we can think and we can question and go through with that little voice in our head like you've just shared. But for so many, that little voice in their head puts them into a place of self-doubt, of comparisonitis, of getting stuck. And what you've just shared is the positive side of it, of we cannot help but grow. What do you think is the difference between those people that listen to that that voice and can't move forward and the way you've approached it, where the question actually, from what I've seen in you, sets off this desire to understand and learn more. That's what I see as being one of your magic magic mm-hmm. pills, this ability to go, I don't know this. Okay, it's not going to stop me. I'm actually going to be curious and have a desire to learn more. What's your view on that in terms of that ability to transition, there's that word again, to one of curiosity versus one of I'm listening and now I doubt myself? Yeah, that, you know, it's interesting. I was, as we were, I was coming into this, I remember a conversation that I had with my dad and my dad would all, he was a big supporter of us starting our business and, and he used to always say, can I invest? I want to invest. Can I be part of your business? And we would say, no, no, no. And one day I thought, do you know what? I'm going to have to shut this conversation down. We can't have this conversation all the time. So I took a deep breath and I said to him, Dad, the situation is that we don't have, at this point in time, we don't have a goal or objective where we need an investor. I said, and second of all, I said, if we wanted an investor or needed an investor, there would be a requirement that of a skill or something that they would need to bring to our organisation. And I said, and Dad, I'm sorry, but you don't bring anything to our organisation. And what I watched my father do, because obviously this is an uncomfortable, it's not nice as a dad to hear your child, your eldest child. I think it was. Even that it Oh, sorry, something just started playing on my <laughs> no, that's all right. I was just saying, edit that out. I don't know what happened then. I was like, oh. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> but I was saying, you know, so I imagine for a parent to hear their child say, Do you know what? You don't have anything here that I value, mm. is challenging and difficult. Mm. But there were two things that I reflect on that happened in that conversation. My father listened, he heard what I said, and he said afterwards, Thank you for saying that and for being really clear and defining that for me. I appreciate that. I understand that. So in that, he modelled a behaviour of accepting in that moment. And what he also allowed me to do was to flex my muscle in a difficult conversation. Mm. So, And when you asked about where did I come from and what was growing up like, I think I was really fortunate in that I don't recall having somebody, a te- you know, a person that was an authority figure, whether it be a teacher, a coach or a church member or, you know, a grandparent, don't have an authority figure that put me down, that told me I wasn't good enough. Mm. I had people that reinforced that I had capabilities and that there were probably ways that I could work it out. And I think that really helped with that internal dialogue. Mm. So do have you taken that into the way that you lead, do you think, when you think about how you, well, 
you worked in at Virgin Blue, wasn't it, mm-hmm. when that existed, yes. so in the airline industry. And then you've built this business from essentially a kitchen table into now a multiple million dollar business with your mm-hmm. husband. And with that comes team and suppliers and clients. That modeling that your father presented in that moment in time, how do you see that coming through in how you lead and how you manage your team and the people around you? Yeah, I would say we're re-looking at our values at the moment. They haven't really changed a lot, but some of the ways that we word them, and and you'll recognise this when I say this for me is the most important value, is we make today, we make the best decisions we can and we learn from the results. And that is something that it really, for me, is a core, an absolute core part of of my being. So I am absolutely then willing to have discussions with our team members around what they're thinking or feeling, what they think could be, you know, bring ideas, let's talk about it, let's you know, look at different ways of doing the doing things or presenting or dealing with a difficult client or different language that we can use. You know, how let's role play that. How do we think that could go? Then, you know, so what do you feel comfortable with? Mm. What mm. are you going to be able to do? What does your you know, because quite often, particularly where clients are involved, I'll say to them, I don't I haven't talked to this client. I don't know. You you're going to have to go back and have the conversation. So first of all, what of this do you feel that you can honestly deliver in your own way? Don't use my words, but you know, how do you deliver it in your own way? And what do you believe, you know, what do you know that the client wants to hear? And then usually afterwards it's like, so how did that go? So that's, yeah, that's how it comes across. That That's how it appears in, mm. in my leadership Yeah. now. yeah. Now, Michelle, you're a lifelong learner. Well, the years that I've known you, that's what I've seen, this mm. intentionality around, around growth, around understanding yourself, around understanding the why. And a conversation we had recently, you'd done the Lara Pinter Trail. You went and did the Lara Pinter Trail with a bunch of other amazing female entrepreneurs. And I think I asked you, I said to you, what was the one thing you learned during that? And you shared with me what you'd written because I think at the end, did you have to all talk about what the impact had been on you? Yeah. You, can you share that? With our oh listeners. gosh, I'm going to have to find that, Janine. <laughs> let me let me see if I can find it in the thing. What At least our listeners know that we we are totally unscripted. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you weren't expecting this. Absolutely. Oh gosh, and you know it's in a group chat, so I'm on the phone scrolling through a group chat <laughs> that is now months past with pictures of people wearing Crocs and so forth, which links back to it. But it'll be there. So it'll be there. It's here. It'll be there. I'm getting back. And it links to, as you're trying to find that, something else that you said to me once in one of our conversations, you said, remember, entry to the next level is never free. Absolutely. Absolutely. Entry to the next level is never free. So maybe you can talk to that as well. What from your, I'm getting you to multitask now. Fast, How, yeah. How's this for a woman in transition? Multi- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what does that mean to you when you said that entry to the next level is never free? Can you explain that a bit? Because I think it does link back as well to this insight that you had 
mm-hmm. when you were on the Larapinta trail. Yeah. Entry, we learn and the reality is we learn about ourselves Mostly it's about ourselves and the way that we deal with things and our perspective and it's all about our view on the world, to be honest. But we learn this stuff in the hard times, in the really, really crappy times. That's where our biggest learning happens and it's in the middle of the stuff that we wish we could fast forward through that we learn everything. And that's what I mean by the entry to the next level isn't free. It's uncomfortable. It's itchy. It makes us doubt ourselves. It makes us want to retreat sometimes back to what we know and what's comfortable. It's in those moments. We've got a team member at the moment and for the last 12 months, she's been doing a great job in developing skills and, you know, helping bring our team of predominantly new people to the level that they're at. And she has done a brilliant and masterful job. And she said, made a comment that was sort of like, oh, you know, I think I might go back to my old job and I, I think I might go back to there. And while I hear that, and obviously in the end it will be ultimately be the choice that she makes, But the conversation for me is this part where it's tricky, this part where you think, you know what, I want to, as kids we used to refer to it as we had a saying, we'd say I want to chase away and live up a tree, you know, where we want to hide, that's a sign that you're you're moving through and and gaining access to hard stuff. So, yeah. Now, I wonder if this is the one. I found something that I wrote (laughs) after Lara Pinter, so this might not be. I said, I've learned that words are inadequate that there is a gap in our language that doesn't bridge the divide between the majesty of the place and the profound it is profound effect it has had on my being. The residual effect of this week will be different for each of us and so too our, our, our ability to articulate. We share that. This fold in time that saw us meet in the red dirt, in women's places and in each other, we have that. No one can take it away or truly understand. There is one word that I can use to define our time, sacred. I think that was one of the first things that I sent off saying, you know, yeah. How has that stayed with you? And how do you bring that experience into your everyday? So, you know, so many of us invest in personal development. So many of Mm. us go on retreats left, right and centre or we'll go to conferences and and we have these amazing experiential experiences that impact us. But I think there's always such a missed opportunity when people almost within a nanosecond forget about the learning. So I'm curious, how has that experience of actually maybe for again for our international listeners, just share what the Lara Pinta trail, put some context around it. And yeah, I'm curious as to how that whole experience has has impacted you since. Yeah, absolutely. So the Lara Pinta Trail is a walking trail that runs from Alice Springs in Central Australia along the West McDonnell Ranges. Now, this is the part where I'll probably get a little bit untrue to facts. So there's 12 or 14 stages to it. It's You can walk from one end to the other. It, it takes It's probably 160 kilometres or, or so forth. I did three days actually on the track, did different sections. It wasn't a joined section. And we had Indigenous guides 
with us, you know, explaining to us about the country, showing us, you know, traditional traditional foods, bush tucker, talking to us about sacred places and having us really, and you walk across the landscape out there is as spectacular as you imagine it to be. Like these sort of rusted orange hills and that are quite gnarly and and there's, you know, ridge lines that look like almost the bed of a massive dry river. And you're on one ridge line looking across another. And there's just space out out beyond and you can't help but be awed. That you know, and awe is a word that is really is beyond wonder. It, it, awe is something that puts you almost into the realms of divine, that just majestic, I can't explain this. And to be honest, the, the biggest thing that I took away from the Indigenous, from the Aboriginal culture, they have sacred women's business. They would talk about sacred women's sites. You know, so along with that, there are sacred men's sites and sacred men's business. And for me, it was really about, so what is sacred? And what by that I mean, what is sacred for me? What do I hold dear for me? So, and it, in terms of, it is that we make the best decisions and we learn from them. If we do that, you know, that is a sacred belief for me. And so I need to protect that for me. That also means that I need to consider that other people, everybody, everybody has something sacred for them. And how do I learn what that is? How do I honour that? You know, how am I honouring and respecting and giving space for that sacred for somebody else as well? So that that really stayed with me. And another, I sort of don't want to jump too quickly from one point to another because this next part was absolutely profound for me in terms of linking with that. We were talking to our guide sitting on a hill having lunch and we were talking and he and one of the group said to him, so how do you know where the end of tribal one tribe's area ended and another started. And he said, oh, well, there would be natural, you know, ridge lines or rivers and that would mark a boundary. And and she said, so did you ever have fights, you know, like wars between tribes? And he said, no, not really. And she said, so how would you, you know, one tribe be forced off their land, for example? And he said, well, you would steal, you'd steal some, you'd steal their dreaming." And I looked at him and I I was confused and I said to him, how do you steal somebody's dreaming? And he turned and he looked at me with such kindness and such generosity, you know, and, and he really just, that's the only way I can describe it, this sort of beautiful, you know, kindness that said, and he said, you steal somebody's dreaming by forcing them off their land by not allowing them to speak their language, by not allowing them to tell their stories and you disconnect them. That's how you steal their dreaming. And we all, those of us within earshot, just stopped. We stopped. We couldn't help but be flawed by what he said but also the way he said it. 
And I said to him, oh, my goodness, I said, my lot as a, you know, I'm, I'm white Australian. I said, we've had a red hot go at that. And he said, yes. And it was interesting. Reaction from, you know, reactions among the group varied from anger and embarrassment and all of these things. But me being me, I sat there and I thought, wow, how do I make sure I don't steal somebody's dreaming? Because the reality is every person has a story. Every person has a history, has something that is powerful and sacred to them that defines who they are. And so the action is how do we not steal that from somewhere else? And the only at this, I don't know what, like I don't know what the answer, fully what the answer is, I still, but the only place I can think at the moment is it's around listening, really listening to hear people and to avoid the rush in a conversation to say, you know, those situations where someone will say, oh, you know, oh, God, you won't believe this morning, you know, I dinged the back of my car and someone else says, oh, well, that's nothing. I did, you know, I had a massive. That sort of one-upmanship or that sort of, you know, that particularly when it's about these are the important things in my life, it's to try to resist that urge and to just listen and be curious and yeah that really stays with me and that's what I try to honor as well in communicating with people. I can remember one of the things you said to me since you got back from Lara Pinta and I probably am praising this wrong but it was around communication and I've definitely noticed this shift in you of listening first not feeling like you have to fill the space but this distinct difference between when the when you feel you've got to say something, you're just going to say it. Not necessarily thinking through option one, two, three, four, five, is it right, is it wrong? You literally, and I've seen that, when I, there's something I want to say, I'm going to have to say it. And I guess I, what's really interesting for me, knowing this evolution in you and knowing the fact that you're this woman in transition you're gonna have to write a book about that and the fact that this project so this is where it's an interesting full circle of where you've been in certain situations over the last six months coupled with the fact that as a business owner you've been faced with two years of challenges like many of us around the world as a result of COVID. You've got on this process of self-discovery, of taking time out and reflection and curiosity. And the full circle of interest to me is the fact that now the main project that you're working on in your business is one around engagement and team and people and culture. And before we pressed record, we were having a conversation, a curious conversation, a conversation that didn't have any answers necessarily around what is going on with the generations like millennials versus the Gen X of how do we engage and I guess, I guess this is what I always value about our conversations, Michelle, is we talk without having to find an answer. It's literally one of curiosity. And so sort of to wrap this up and bring it back to you, I'm going, what considerations are you currently making or thinking through when it comes to team moving forward, when it comes to our role as leaders of not 
taking away the dreaming of our people, of our teams, when it comes to our role as leaders of listening and engaging. So I know this is a work in progress still, but I'm just curious as to where you're headed at and what you're, what's on your mind? What are you thinking through? The, first of all, for me, the most important thing as I come back into work is that I have to spend time, and this is not uh, for any other outcome than I want to do this. I talk to everybody in the office and it is not about work-related stuff. It's a conversation about their family maybe. It might be about football. It might be about music. It might be about, it might be some a connection, a personal connection that is about them as a person, not them as an employee. Yes, we will get to conversations about what's happening at work, what can be done. I'm absolutely clear on is that I don't actually have a lot of answers. And to be comfortable to say, I don't know the answers, but this is a question. And somehow we'll, we'll work something out and we'll make a decision. The, uh, so that, first of all, takes time. It's about time, you know, to, to coin a phrase that we know from a really good friend of ours. You know, it, it's about investing that time. I had another conversation when we were on retreat up in Cairns where I said to Lisa, who was with me at the time, I said, you know, the reality is for un- unless you work in triage in an emergency situ- life or death situation, the reality is We don't have, there is no, very few decisions that we have to make right now, Mm. right now. Mm. We can, coupled with that is don't not make a decision. You do have to make a decision and you do have, you know, standing still is not an option either. But things don't have to be done at breakneck speed. Let's invest time first of all in in our people let's make sure that we know them as people you know and can speak to them as people so as when we then have to have a challenging conversation have it as people mm. heart to heart acknowledging and also acknowledge that nothing do you know what I was thinking about it too in terms of you know being brilliant you're never actually ever going to turn up and just be brilliant. You've got to st- take a step and do something and just turn up and be in the moment and the act and I'll say it again, make the best decision you know how to make and learn from it. That really I think is going to be the big difference that's going to, we've all got access to the same technology. We've all got access you know, we can, we're all selling things, you know, there's other people in our marketplace selling what we're selling. You know, there's other people, Janine, that do mentoring and work similar to you. There's very rarely somebody that is doing something so incredibly mind-blowing, unique. It is our people that's going to make a difference and we have to t- take real time to invest in them and knowing them and I think now is absolutely the perfect time. And, yeah, that's where I'm at. I love it. To wrap this up, given your life journey to now and given everything you've seen, heard and experienced so far and what you've listened, watched, heard, seen, noticed, 
what do you believe our individual role is when it comes to unleashing brilliance? Because I'm listening to you and, you know, oh. I'm going, yep, 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 yeah. And I'm equally, I've got in my ear the voice of people listening to this who are going, oh, my God, but I'm so scared to do that stuff. You know, the people that would love to just jump in and do and all that sort of thing. So from your perspective, you know, and hindsight is a wonderful thing, but equally when you've gone so through through so much learning and personal growth and development as you have, I think hindsight's good because you go, oh, my God, that's the growth that I've had. <laughs> what are some of the, you know, the couple of wishes that you have for people out there to take the spotlight that they're absolutely being put on this planet to take? What's What's your advice to them? First of all, human beings are selfish self-absorbed people. I am. Let me tell you, I'm the centre of my universe, Janine. (laughs) And, you know, the reality is, the reality is I'm too busy looking at myself in the mirror and thinking about how great or how not so great or how whatever. I'm having my own itty-bitty-shitty committee thing going on in my head that I'm not really critiquing anybody else to the same level than I am myself. And so that would be what something that I would say to people in that nobody is really going to be as critical as you as we imagine them to be. And there also, you know, there is also incredible power in saying, do you know what, I'm going to give this a go and I don't know how it's going to go. It might be messy, it might be brilliant, it might be, but I'm just going to give it a go. And I don't know whether it's true, but I heard, you know, I I like the story, so I repeat it and use it. Someone, I heard once something about Jerry Seinfeld was asked about, you know, his secrets to success and how you do all this. And apparently he got up on stage, was paid a lot of money, got up, up on stage, walked across the stage and wrote on the flip chart, just do the work, put the lid back on the pen and walked off. Now, apologies to Jerry Seinfeld if it wasn't actually him, you know, it's not. But that's the thing. It's like just start, just do a little thing today unless you're doing something dreadfully illegal, you know, incredibly immoral, which is probably illegal as well. Not much is really going to happen. Not much is really it, it's the same, Janine. As uh, sorry, I, you're probably thinking, God, is this woman ever going to shut up? And can we no, can go on? Oh, um, it, it's the same as that question that we always ask on your birthday. You know, so do you feel older? Do you feel wiser yeah. than yesterday? And it's like, so back to we started off here. So yeah. do you feel older and wiser than yesterday? And the answer is is always no. No, I don't feel older and wiser than yesterday. I've just passed time in the calendar. Yet, I'll tell you what, I'm a hell of a lot wiser than I was as an 18-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old. So it's incremental. It's incremental. So just keep turning up. Just keep turning up and having a go and doing your stuff. And one day you might turn around and look and think, shit, that was brilliant. Michelle, I think that's it. It's been an awesome conversation. I'm so happy I have had the opportunity to share the sorts of conversations we have with a global audience. I will let people know where they can find you and follow you in the show notes. 
Michelle, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me dig around in your brain and your thought process. I always love it. And so much, so many awesome pieces of advice in there. Have a wonderful evening and thank you. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I hope you have new ideas on how to step into your own brilliance after listening today. For those of you who don't know, My Own Brilliance is helping businesswomen embrace their brilliance to achieve greater profits, align with their purpose, and create greater impact through their business. I've helped thousands of businesswomen leverage their networks, build rock-solid business plans, and break through the glass ceiling to become seven-figure business owners and beyond. If you're looking to take your business to the next level and have been feeling stuck or are frustrated that it's been taking forever, then shoot me a message today as I'd love to help you. You can email me directly at support at or find me on any of my social media platforms listed in the show notes below. Until next time, have an absolutely fabulous day.